You may be seated. Good morning. Last week, we jumped back into our study of the book of Mark. And we looked at the amazing story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Four faithful men tried to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus, but they ran into a major obstacle. And this obstacle was that there were tons of people who were gathered around that house and in that house. It was full. There was no more room. But the faith of these, these men was so strong that instead of them giving up when there was no more room, what did they do? They made room. That's right. They dug a hole in the roof of that house, and then they lowered their paralyzed friend down right in front of Jesus. It was their faith that compelled them to action. Genuine faith always results in action. Genuine faith makes room. And the question I asked last week was, how can we be a church that makes room for others so that they can come to Jesus? We can't be so consumed with our own lives and our own agendas that we get in the way of those who are truly trying to seek Jesus. The greatest need that we all have is forgiveness, and Jesus is the only one who can give it. So we must make room. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now for your lead. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and be in our midst. But we know your word tells us that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in their midst. And so, Lord, do your will. Do your work today. Glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title for today's message is Follow Me. Follow Me. So please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 13. You don't have a Bible, we've got them there on the bookshelf, or you can follow along on the screen or your mobile device. We'll be studying verses 13 through 17 today. Mark chapter 2. Then he, meaning Jesus, he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, the big idea from our text today is simply to follow Jesus. Notice that what happens in verse 14 when Jesus said this to Levi. He said, follow me. What did Levi do? He arose and he followed him. Now, Levi is the apostle Matthew. They are one and the same person. Now, we know this because if we turn to the parallel account of this encounter with Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Matthew is the name that the Apostle Matthew used for himself. So, what was Matthew's, or as our text, Levi's response to Jesus' command to follow him? What was his response? The word says here in Mark chapter 2, verse 14, that he arose and he followed him. He didn't hesitate. He didn't say to Jesus, well... Let me think about that. Let me get back to you. He didn't do that. No, he arose and he followed Jesus immediately. Following Jesus is a decision that requires an immediate response. We can't afford to put this off. No one knows the day nor the hour when they will take their last breath. When the Spirit of God is drawing you to him, what do you do? What do you do? Do you arise and follow him, or are you content to continue about your own business? Now, another important detail about this encounter with Jesus comes from Luke chapter 5, verse 28, which says that right after Jesus said, follow me, Matthew got up and he left everything and followed him. The word didn't say that he left some things, nor did the word say that he took some of the things with him. No, he left everything. That's a common theme we're going to see today. So we're going, to go, we're going to dive deeper in what it means to follow Jesus in just a minute. But what I want to highlight here in this text is who else follows Jesus. So let's return to Mark chapter 2, verse 15. Now it happened, as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they did what? They followed him. They followed him this is what true disciples do they follow their teacher they pattern their lives after him they walk as he walks they talk as he talks they live as he lives the greek word for follow in this text is akalutheo and it's the idea of abiding or remaining in fellowship with jesus not just for the sake of learning as a student learns from his teacher but also for the sake of salvation when we truly follow Jesus, there is this cleaving to, there's this clinging to him. And it's a cleaving that causes us to believe, to trust, and to obey. We long to please him now, right? No longer are you about yourself. You're all about wanting to please him. That's the difference from these do's and don'ts, right? We don't do things because we have to. We do them because we want to, because we want to please him. There is a sense of we can't be anywhere without him. We must always, always be with him, which leads us to want to follow his example. And the greatest example that he gave us was the sacrifice of his life on the cross for ours. Because that's what true love does. It lays down one's life for another. Are you able to follow this example? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9 verses 23 through 24. He said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. 
If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You see, to follow Jesus, we first have to give up our own way. If you're taking notes, you can put that down in your handout. You've got to give up your own way. Now, this is hard. Many of us want to continue in our own way, and we simply want the Lord to bless our way, our plans, our desires, and our agendas. But to follow Jesus, we have to give up our own way. We can't go our way and His way at the same time. To follow Him, we're going to have to choose. And if we choose to follow Him, we must put Jesus ahead of everything else in our lives. We must choose His way instead of our way. He becomes first because He deserves to be first. And we must take up our cross every day. Every day. This is a picture of you and I dying to ourselves each and every day. This is a picture of total surrender. This is a picture of you and I fully submitting ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior by living for Him and following Him. We don't try to hang on to our own lives. We give them up to fulfill the plan and purpose that He has for us. You see, following Jesus comes at a great cost. We don't often hear a lot about the cost, do we? What we hear a lot about in America is simply a cotton candy gospel where everything looks great, tastes great, and you don't have to give up anything. You can have your cotton candy and eat it too, all for your own enjoyment. But listen, there is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus was very clear about this cost. He said this in Luke chapter 14, verse 33. He said, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. This is exactly what Matthew did in our text, or Levi, you could say either name. When Jesus said, follow me, he gave up everything. In fact, all of Jesus' 12 disciples did the very same thing. They sacrificed and gave up everything. Now, many people hate making sacrifices because it costs them something, and it can be painful too. They want the easy way out. They want to get something without sacrificing anything. But the Bible tells us that our whole lives should be a sacrifice. Denying ourselves and taking up our cross means we are to die to our own selfish desires and live for Him and His purposes. And this is a daily decision. This is not a once-and-done decision. Former president of the C.S. Lewis Institute, Thomas A. Terrence, he said this, he said, we have embraced a reductionism that acknowledges faith in Christ as essential for salvation, but largely ignores the necessity of living by faith thereafter. How many of us really live each day with a confident trust in God to do what he says we, he will do? How many of us take him at his word and act with the expectation that he will be faithful? This is the kind of faith that Jesus calls us to exercise as we seek to follow him. So following Jesus is not a one-and-done decision. It is a daily decision. Every single day, we have a choice to make. Follow self or follow Jesus. And when we follow Him, we must sacrifice our entire lives to Him. All that we are, all that we have, should go to Him. 
And the more we offer ourselves to him, the less we will offer ourselves to sin. That's what it comes down to. We either offer ourselves completely to him or we offer ourselves to sin. There is no other choice. We can't straddle the fence when it comes to who or what we worship. It's either Jesus or self. But this is all foolishness to the world because the world is all about worshiping self. The world has no idea what Jesus means when he says this in Matthew chapter 16, verses 25 through 26. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, in order to save our lives, we have to give them up by placing our complete faith and trust in Jesus as both our Lord and our Savior. That is the only way to save our lives. Some people are very quick to to make Jesus their Savior, and they forget about making him Lord. He's got to be Lord, and he needs to be Savior, right? It doesn't matter if we have all the money and possessions in the world because they can never buy us the freedom that we have in Jesus. So to save our lives, we have to lose our lives, which means we surrender them completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He becomes our King. He becomes our Lord. He becomes our Savior. And we then follow him as a living sacrifice. And the only way for us to begin this journey of following him as a living sacrifice is by accepting God's gift of salvation through our faith in Jesus. And this isn't something that we should do without fully understanding the cost. There is no spiritual calculator that we need to use to come up with this cost. We don't need an itemized listing of every expense that we're going to incur either. Because the truth is, as I've already said, it will cost us everything, our entire lives. Don't let anyone deceive you into thinking that there is not a cost to following Jesus. As if we could just tack on being a Christian to whatever we already are and however we're already living. Or as if we could simply obtain our Heavens Club membership card and reap all the benefits of actually just not having to endure any sort of cost. Listen, following Jesus is not fire insurance to keep us from going to hell. Do you hear me? It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card so that we can live our lives however we want to either. No, the cost to following Jesus is complete and total surrender. That's the true cost. We can never, ever forget this. To save you, Jesus gave it all for you. What will you give for him? Could it be your time? How much time are you spending on him and his purposes? How much time are you spending growing in him? Could it be your talents? What are you doing with what God gave you to benefit his kingdom? These are some tough questions, I know. But if you have breath in your lungs, you've got purpose. But whose purpose are you serving? Yours or his? Some of you are so busy with your own desires and your own dreams that you've not really stopped to consider what is truly important. His word says we are to seek the kingdom of God above all else. There is nothing more important than his kingdom. But some of you are so caught up in being a consumer of the kingdom of God that you're not really thinking about being a contributor to the kingdom of God. Who are you discipling? 
Who are you sharing the love of Jesus with? Does the life you live actually reflect what you say you believe? And are you busy building your kingdom or his kingdom? His word says the fields are ripe for the harvest, but the workers are few. Could it be that you're the worker that needs to join the effort of furthering the kingdom of God? It doesn't have to be some major effort like going on a mission trip to another country like Brad and Lisa are about to do here in a few days, going to Africa. It can be as simple as serving in the nursery, cleaning up the church each week. I just want us all to consider, how are we contributing to the kingdom of God? Because true followers of Christ are contributors way more than they are consumers. Jesus died for you. How will you live for him? We cannot be disciples of Jesus without following him. Unfortunately, there are a ton of fans of Jesus in this world, and there's only a few actual followers. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. He said, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple." Listen, we cannot be on the sidelines as fans of Jesus cheering, yay, go Jesus, right? I want you to think about this. Think about the image of how many people this afternoon are going to be on the sidelines cheering for their favorite team in the Super Bowl. That's how people treat their relationship with Jesus, unfortunately. They're just cheering on the sidelines. Woo, go Jesus. But it doesn't cost them anything because they want all the benefits without it ever costing anything. The kingdom of God is not for enthusiastic admirers or emotional fans. It's all about being a sold-out, all-in follower. How are you following him? How are you learning from him? How are you growing spiritually? Are you seeking wisdom and understanding by reading and studying his word? Or are you just being religious, where we're essentially going through the motions of our faith? We come to church. We may get involved in some things once in a while. We may open our Bibles from time to time. We may even give to the church. But we really have to ask ourselves, why are we doing these things? Is it to check a box? Is it to make make ourselves feel good? Or are we trying to do these things to try to earn God's favor? What What God really wants is a relationship with us. He doesn't want a religion. So what Jesus is saying here is that to be a true follower of him, we don't just mingle in the crowd and do some religious things. No, they chose to enter into an intimate, personal, and deep relationship with him that is distinguished by being an actual follower of him. Don't ever be deceived into thinking that you are more spiritual by following the rules or traditions of religion. The only way we can be more spiritual and actually grow in our faith is by having an intimate relationship that follows Jesus. True followers of Jesus will choose relationship over religion every single time. We cannot make the decision to follow Jesus and then live our lives the same way we've been living them before. It's just not possible because the invitation to follow Jesus is not about maintaining the status quo in our lives or even making some sort of incremental improvements in our lives. No, the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation for complete transformation. We don't ever stay the same when we encounter Jesus. So to truly follow him, we have to surrender our lives to him. We have to fully submit to him. And... We have to be willing to serve him. 
And we do all of these things regardless of the cost. Now, I was listening to the radio last Monday morning on my way to the airport, and I heard about this pastor who was arrested in Vietnam. You know what he was arrested for? For having a worship service in his home. That's what he was arrested for. The, the government had deemed that his worship service was a threat to the government. So he was sentenced to four and a half years in prison. How's that for following Jesus? Are you willing to follow him regardless of the cost? Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. He said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. You see, what Jesus is getting at here is that the builder would never start the project without first ensuring he had everything needed to complete it. And it's the same as you and I for being a follower of Jesus. We have to count the cost. We have to count the cost of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus before we follow him. What is the cost? Everything. Everything. Following Jesus costs us everything. Our money, our comforts, our freedom, our family, our career, our social status, even ourselves. The cost of following Jesus is nothing short of total and complete surrender. It's where we place our emphasis on his commitment, right, over our own convenience. How committed are we? Are we willing to choose commitment over convenience, no matter the cost? Because that's what it means to follow him. Total and complete commitment to his plans, his purpose, his glory. We have to really ask ourselves, are we willing to give him permission to interrupt our schedules? We can all be so busy doing so many things, striving for so many goals, much of which have no eternal value whatsoever. Are we willing to be inconvenienced by his priorities? And let's be honest, our agendas are often not his agendas. He may want us to do or say something that will inconvenience us. It will take our time. It will take our attention. It may take our resources. And even more than this, the cost of following Jesus may require us to go through incredible hardship or persecution. A true follower of Jesus will never turn away the minute the going gets tough. No, true followers of Jesus, they endure hardship. They keep their eyes on him all the way through the hardship, any trial or any persecution. They don't cave. They don't give up. They persevere. Why? Because they are fully committed. They are all in. There is no turning back. Ever. Quitting is not an option. Do you know that? It's not an option. This morning as I was thinking about the message, the Lord laid on my heart Hebrews chapter 12. I just wasn't in my notes, but let me do this. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at verses 2 through 3. This is a good reminder about not giving up, and here's why. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and what? Give up. In struggling against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You see? 
That's what it means about not giving up. Anytime that you face like, man, this is so hard. I don't know if I can make it. This is just crazy. You put your eyes back on Jesus and you think about what did he do for you, right? He endured the cross. He was thinking about the joy set before him when he would rise from the dead, defeating death, hell, and Satan for all time, right? Amen. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how you continue to follow him. That's how you're able to endure. Now, the world wants us to be casual. The world wants us to just enjoy life. Live it up. Be happy. I was thinking about that on the way in. I saw this sign that said happy hour. Happy hour in Missoula. You ever thought about that? Happy hour. How temporary that is. You're going to be happy for an hour. Really? Because you're going to drink some drinks and that's going to make you happy? Are you kidding me? But that's how the world thinks, right? Just temporary. Just be happy, live it up, take care of you. But the truth is, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we can either be casual or we can be committed, but we can never be casually committed. Are you following me? To follow Jesus, we must choose his his commitment over our convenience. And that is anything but easy. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. He said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Let me pause. Do you hear that? The highway to hell. There is a hell. Okay, we've got a church in Missoula that will preach that there is no hell. There is a hell. It's right here in the word of God. Like, man, it baffles me that I see so much false doctrine out there in the world today. And all we have to do is to read our Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to give us discernment to see the truth. Amen. There is a hell. There is a highway to hell and it's broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. You see, Jesus is the narrow gate. That's how we enter the kingdom of God, through him by faith. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We must choose him, and we must follow him. Now, verse 14 is a good reminder that his way is a very narrow road, and it's difficult. Only a few ever find it. Verse 14, man, that just strikes me when I I read it. It pains me to know that only a few ever find it. Don't you want to get as many people as possible to know that road? Amen. Contrast that to the way of the world. The way of the world is a highway to hell. It's not narrow at all. It is broad, and sadly many, sadly people will choose that way. I love the, the translation here. God doesn't send them to hell. What do they do? They choose that way. God's word says he doesn't want anyone to perish, Right? He's not slow about his promise. He wants everyone to come to repentance. They choose that way. Largely because it's easy. That's why a lot of people choose that way. It is easy. Following Jesus is anything but easy. But God did not leave us to follow Jesus on our own. Did you know that? Once we make the decision to follow Jesus, we then have the Holy Spirit as our helper and our guide. We don't have to rely now on our own strength or our own understanding. We can now rely on the strength and the wisdom that he has through the power of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing God we serve, right? 
Not only do we have his example to follow, but we also have his Holy Spirit to help us throughout our journey. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's jump back to the last couple verses in our text. Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, who was Jesus hanging out with here? Sinners, outcasts, those hated by society, those the hypocritical Pharisees looked down upon. Jesus was never afraid to get his hands dirty. Following Jesus will require us to get our hands dirty too. To reach out to those who are rejected, the homeless, the drug and alcohol addicts, the prostitutes, the criminals, those who are suffering, those who have been abused, and those who have been marginalized in our society. Following Jesus will cause us to love the unlovable, to meet with the undesirable, and to befriend the forsaken of the world. Like Jesus, we will show compassion for the single parent. We'll show compassion for the widow, those who have been divorced, and those who are elderly. You see, ministry is messy. It is very messy. But Jesus never shied away from getting right in the middle of people's mess, no matter their sin. That's exactly who Jesus came to save, sinners. And that's all of us. None of us are righteous. We are all sick from sin, and we're all in need of a physician. And Jesus is the great physician. He is the only one who can make us well. And the path to being made well, it starts with repentance. And that's the message this world needs to hear today. Repent. If there were one word that I could speak over this entire world, it'd be that one right there. Repent. This is where we change our mind about our sin. And then we choose to leave our way and we turn and we go God's way. He is the only way to life. He is the only way to freedom. He's the only way to heaven. Who are you following? You or him? To follow him, we have to give up our own way. His way is the only way. But his way has a cost. And this cost is everything. Total and complete surrender. Every day we have a choice to make. Follow ourselves or follow Jesus. There is no straddling this fence. It's either life or death. That's the choice. And that choice reveals our level of commitment. Will we choose his, com his commitment over our convenience? You see, taking up our cross requires us to deny ourselves. So the cost is high. But you know what? That cost is worth it. That cost is worth it. And we need not ever try to follow Jesus in our own strength or our own wisdom. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have his Holy Spirit as your helper and your guide. And we are all sick from sin, and we're all in need of a Savior. So the path to being made well, it starts with repentance. Jesus is calling you to follow him. How will you answer? Are you like the Pharisees who think you have it all together? 
Listen, religion will not save you. But a relationship with Jesus will. Follow him. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. Which means he is the only way to our Father in heaven. Will you follow him? Let's pray. Father, you are a mighty, mighty God. Your word is clear. We are to follow you. And that following you means we leave everything. We don't try to take things with us. We don't try to do it our way. We do it your way. And you've given us the pattern for how we are to live our lives. And so I pray right now, Lord God, that you would sever those ties to this world that keep us bogged down and weighted down we don't need that. We know, Lord, that your word tells us that uh, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. We carry so much stuff around that we have no business carrying. I pray today, Father, that you would break those strongholds in our life, those things that are holding us back from following you with our whole life, with our whole heart, with everything. And for those today, Father, that maybe have not made that decision to follow you, to serve you, to make you their Lord and their Savior, I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would draw them to you in such a way that they'll repent, turn away from their old life, give you their, their new life. I know, Lord, your word tells us that when we come to you, that the old is gone and the new has come. That means we are completely transformed. There's no evidence of the old anymore. We're now new in you, and I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your truth. As hard as it is to hear sometimes, it's still truth. So, Lord, embolden us to live out what we've heard today, to be true followers of you, not just in name only. James tells us in your word, Father, we're not just to be hearers of the word, we're to be doers of the word. So thank you, Father, for who you are and for what you've done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I think, David, you've asked a couple guys to help you, right, with the cabinets? Okay. Um, Thank you. I'd like to call Brad and Lisa forward. We're going to lay hands on them and pray. Brad and Lisa are leaving for Africa on Wednesday. And some of you had the opportunity to sow into the love offering that we took up for them last week. And if there was anyone that missed out on that or you still wanted to sow into that, you still can. You can drop an offering in the offering box and just make sure you, you indicate a love offering for them and we'll do that. So I want to make sure to give you space. If you did not do that last week and wanted to, you can. But Anyone who feels compelled that wants to come forward and lay hands on them, we're going to pray on our missionaries that are head, heading to Africa. And so if you want to sit at your seat and extend your hand, that's fine too. If you want to come forward, that's awesome, whichever you choose. Father, we are so grateful for Brad and Lisa's obedience to answer the call that you've placed on their life. To go forward and to serve you as they serve the people in Africa. And I pray, Lord, that you'd embolden them, that you'd give them courage, that you'd give them strength, that you'd give them wisdom. Lord, that they can walk as you walk, they can talk as you talk, that they'll be your hands and feet to the people that need you. Put them right where they are needed most, Lord that you get all the glory for it. I thank you for their heart and all that has come together to make this what it is, this couple that has 
just uh, sold out for you, Lord. It's so encouraging when I see the faith in their eyes and in their actions. It's just, it's so, so awesome. Thank you for shoulder the load, this foundation that you have placed in their heart to reach the people of Africa and Haiti. And we're sowing into that, Lord, because we believe that um, this is your mission that you have for them. And so we give you glory and praise. Thank you for their willingness to, to answer the call. Um, I thank you for the, all the resources that you have put in their, in their path um, to make this happen. And it's all for you. That's who we serve is you, Lord. So be with them, encourage them, keep them safe in their travels there and back. We look forward to hearing uh, just the mighty praise reports from what you're going to do in and through them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Yeah. You're on. Yep. There we go. Um, just real quickly, guys. Uh, Lisa and I aren't special. We're just obedient. Um, to tag right along with with Ian's message today. It, it, that, that's that's a heady message. It's it's deep. It's tough. Um, it's a tough pill to swallow for sure. But. We, we continue to talk about give up. We, we don't emphasize and talk enough about what we gain. Um, I've, I've lived a pretty horrible life. I've made some really poor decisions, and then I came to Christ, and he accepted me, even with the past that I had. And it's been a long journey to to die to myself completely and to follow him and be committed to that and obedient. And he has blessed us beyond imagination. And it's, it's strictly from being obedient. We didn't do anything special other than follow him and honor his guiding in our lives. So take this message today and, and let it sink in and understand you're not just losing when you're giving up, you're gaining. And it's worth may, way more than anything this world has to offer, believe me. So thank you so much for everyone who's prayed for us, who's encouraged us, who's financially supported us. It, it, it's extremely humbling. And you're all part of this. We just, we're just driving the car. You're all part of this. So thank you again. Thank you so much. And uh, way to go, Doxies, 57 years. If you want to model your married life after someone that does it correctly and follows Christ, check those two out. You couldn't do wrong. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll, uh, we'll keep you up to speed and up to date. Thank you, brother. So uh, if any of you need prayer of any kind and you want to come forward, I'd love to pray with you. And uh, God bless you guys. Have a great week.